0: First, Studio Inter of 2023, we will be reviewing the games against Napoli and Monza, discussing if the Sooning project is dead. If there is a hope for Scudetto, we'll be previewing the Parma and Hellas Verona games this week's Moji, Morafi and Frog, and much, much more everything here on Studio Inter on noncentrointer.com. Benvenuti, bentornati to the first uh, studio inter of the calendar year 2023. I'm your host, Nimat Ali wel- Wishing you back to a pod where I hope you've all had a nice, relaxing break. Um, I hope I hope you you, you enjoyed the World Cup um, and that you're raring to go uh, with Inter again because Inter are already. It's only been three, four days since the season, Serie A season started again, and. Inter have given us quite a bit to talk about, uh, as they always do Um, But before I get to all of that, let me begin by introducing our panelist He is the preview writer for SempreInter.com, Mr. Mohamed Nassar, how are you doing, Mo? You're going to really work for that positive, Mr. Positivity tagline today, I'll tell you that
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm doing all right, I'm doing all right Uh, uh, Yeah, I'm here for you guys, Uh, positivity and, uh, (laughs) you know, silver linings all the way Let's go
0: (laughs) um he writes a weekly column called what five things we learned from inter this week mr jake smalley how are you how was christmas How was new years
2: uh, it was good thank you yeah I, i've uh just sort of managed to shake off a bit of a cold i've, I've still got remnants with a bit of a sore throat but uh, a bit of a lost voice but um yeah very refreshed and ready to talk some uh, into with you guys today And we're
0: also joined by a good friend of the show. He has uh, his own YouTube channel called uh, Uncle Sharma. Uh, Welcome, Mr. Uncle Sharma. I call him the general command, the chief commander uh, of the Korea Sexuals. (laughs) My lawyers will be in touch, Nima. I love how I I just invented that narrative. (laughs) Everyone's bought it. I I know. I I can't get rid of this tag. Oh God! You were annoying me that day. It's your own fault. I'll tell everyone how this whole thing started. It was when Inter were choosing between Marcus Turam and Joaquín Correa, and I really did not want Joaquín Correa. And you were you were really bugging me that day and annoying me, saying, "Oh, baller drip sauce and all that bullshit that you do." And I was, and I was like, and so I came up with it. And, and so, and I know that you only did it to annoy me. So, yeah. Well, I guess that backfired, didn't it?
3: <laughs> yeah, and then I and then I also like embraced it last season. I was like, oh, how how bad can it go? You know, I'll, I'll embrace
0: it. <laughs> it's gone as bad as it possibly could have. So yeah, thank you for having me on. Yeah, well, oh, it's good to have you back. Right, let's get right to it because Inter, it's it's it is Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. It's in the DNA of this club, but there's there's a difference um, because what we saw against Napoli was a team that looked like they were content not only contenders to to win the Scudetto they they were the favorites to win the Scudetto based on that performance the way they dominated a Napoli side that has well I mean just not just won games in the Serie A I mean they won their Champions League group the way they've mopped the floor with every team they've played in Europe including Liverpool um the, the you know every every attacking stat you know napoli even been outstanding and Inter just go out there and blow them out, out of the water. Their first, their first, Napoli's first shot on target is in the what, 90th minute or something when, when Anana makes that save from Raspadori. Um, but then three days later, Inter go to Monza and pull off, pull out one of the most, I mean, I, I honestly can't remember when Inter was so bad after being so good. As they were against Monza, it was a sh- it was a stinker, and I think that's you know we're going to get into the individuals as well uh, because Romelu Lukaku, God bless him, he 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 embodies that performance. Um, he's become the symbol of that game and everything that that was wrong with it. But I mean, I'm going to start with with you, Mo. Do you think that this lack of consistency, because that's what it is, is does it show that there's a that the that we may have overestimated the quality of this squad, um, or do you th- or do you think more that it's down to just them having you know collectively having a bad day? Do you see it as a tactical issue? What what, you, what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, again, I th- I think that ultimately my problems aren't so much with the squad as much as they are with uh, Inzaghi. I think uh, you know we've criticised Inzaghi so often at not being able to win the big games. He finally did it. He did it against uh, Napoli. But then, surely, when Lautaro comes and says uh, there wasn't uh, the voglia to win, the desire to win against Monza, so there wasn't the will to win, like I just said uh, in the game. And, you know, when when the players come out and say this, I think it points to uh, the manager in uh, not having prepared the squad correctly mentally. Um, I think uh, ultimately, uh, when inside is motivated and believes that the, the 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 team can win, the team does in fact win. When he feels that the game is daunting or he's unmotivated to, uh, or or uh, let's say not unmotivated. Yeah, I'm sure he's always motivated, but uh, doesn't prepare the, the the squad in the right manner mentally. This is this is when things ha- things go sideways. I think again, um, th- th- there's no no reason why Inter shouldn't in have won. I mean, refereeing know, ridiculous refereeing error aside, but uh, really, there's no reason why Inter should not have won this game quite handily, uh, despite uh, Berlusconi and Galliani's best efforts, uh, <laughs> you know, to <laughs> to do a to do a Sassuolo. You know, it's 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 kind of like playing Sassuolo away. And, and and as a manager, you should know that this is not it's not it's not Salernitana away. It's not uh, not this is a game where the team you're playing against. Regardless of of their stature, is extremely motivated to beat you, uh, and it's probably again, like I say, the same way it used to be against Asuolo a few years ago. So, yeah, I, I, I think it's just poor preparation from the manager, to be honest.
0: Raúl, what are your thoughts on um, on? Do you think it's an Inzaghi issue, or do you think it's a tactical issue? It's a qualitative issue. Um, <clears throat> I think. Um, I think it's more of a
3: mentality issue, in my opinion, because, like, what Lautaro said, I saw his, um, well, similarly to what um, Mo said just now, but he said we, to rise sport, he said we didn't want or we didn't have the will, enough will to win and we need to change this. It's like, I'm just I'm just completely baffled, man. I, I, like, this is the pretty much the exact same team that won the Scudetto just over a year ago. So a lot of these guys have that, now title winning experience they know the mentality it takes to get things over the line even against the smaller teams and it just all seems like it's flown out of the window and obviously some of that has to do yeah obviously <clears throat> the coach has to do with that as well uh, the, the team is in the image of a coach and we know Nzagi is slightly on the softer side when it comes to manager approaches but at the same time these guys are the ones that cried on the last day Against Sampdoria when Milan won the scudetto in front of us, they you know, made banners about our players, they sang, you know, stings about Hakan <laughs> and his yeah, other things. But See like, I, I don't thing... know why this how this they've started the season in this way. I just don't I don't get it. I'm so disappointed in the way these players have come come out this whole season.
0: The thing is, um, there's there's a few things that drive me that, that I just I hate about Italian football in terms of the cliches that they spew out, the players and the pundits. This notion of we didn't we, we didn't have the will and desire to win. It, 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 it makes absolutely no sense to me when you watch that game. It's not an issue of desire or hunger when Edin Dzeko can barely walk. When Francesco Acerbi looks is, is 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 so exhausted, they all look devoid of energy. That's not a mental thing. That's that's a that's a that's a that's a personnel issue. You've got an old squad. You've got an old squad of you've, you you your players. Your key players in 2023 are Francesco Acerbi f- through no fault of his own or anyone's own. It's just that's how it is. Stefan de Frey is is what it is and Francesco Acerbi to play this deep is 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 the is the player you pick and we saw a why against Napoli but the thing is to play Jeko Mikitarian uh, Acerbi three times a week in 2023 just doesn't work and I don't I don't see a tactical issue at all against Monza no. because if it was a tactical issue that that can be addressed and Inzaghi did everything he tried so many different things tactically but so for me that that's that that, that that doesn't hold up to scrutiny the Monza game i'm talking just about the Monza game not not the other defeats against udinese or lazio or milan etc which i mean were were definitely tactical issues as, as as well as other things but here i don't see a tactical issue here i see a team that that is this is very this is the hallmark of a mediocre team in the sense that they go out there and they play the best game they have ever played and then 3 days later against a mid-table side they stink up the joint. That, to me is classic, not maybe not mediocre. I'm maybe I'm being too harsh there, but it's not a title. that's not a title winning. That's not how a title winning side behaves. Um, that's what and, I mean. That's what I mean by mentality. He's yeah. the same
3: guys that you'd think know yeah. how to do this. Like yeah, no, I know the Jekyll Mkhitaryan is definitely a cherby. You could see their bodies just disintegrating in front of our own eyes as they uh, <laughs> try to chase and try to press. But like when how Lukaku and Dumfries came on, you know Dumfries losing that header to oh. Caldirola. Like he, the the size of Dumfries, his jumping ability, his athleticism, he should be dominating that ball.
0: Um, Lukaku. I mean, I'm not even gonna go. No, there No, we're gonna talk about him because that is just we. He has his own segment today. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just, I mean, that's, so don't don't. We'll get to him. Um, Jake. what are you, What are your, What are your? What are your thoughts on, on what happened? I mean, the, the the sheer contrast of Napoli and Monza. Uh,
2: I know you've sort of got a bit of a segment uh, prepared for later to deal with this, but. I think the main crux of it is down to the ownership of the club at the moment, and that's the biggest problem because it translates to what you see on the pitch. You know, you've just talked in detail about three players who are approaching mid, you know, some already mid, and in Jekyll's case, he's close to forty and thirty. So Inter have been left with a squad of players who have already won the league, as we've seen. You know, you've hit that sort of high point under a manager who probably demanded a bit more from them, you could argue in terms of how intense Conte was in comparison to Inzaghi, you know that I think, you know, as Alex Ferguson said it, you know, it's, it's it's easier to win the one title, it's harder to keep doing it over and over again, so it's having to motivate those players to keep going and going again um, they, They've seen players sold, you know, Hakimi Lukaku initially, before he's come back with this weird donkey version of himself that's now returned um, and I, I think that that's sort of translated onto the pitch when I think about it now, I was just thinking about it whilst uh, you two were talking. And What is really the aim for Inter this season? What will make it a successful season? It's probably looking like a Champions League run and finishing the top four. And prior to the season beginning, you would have hoped for a bit of a title push. But that gets sucked away when you've got an ownership who isn't investing properly in the squad. And it's denying that from happening. And you've got uncertainty over one of the most important players at the club who absolutely loves the club whether he's going to be there or not because they're scribbling over paying that bit extra for his contract so I I think that there must be something within these players that sits there and thinks well we've already won the league as a group of us you know what's the ambition of the club is it to strengthen and keep pushing to win titles is it to win the Champions League no not really we can't afford anything so almost what is the point really I, I, I think I think I'm being quite cynical maybe perhaps but I think it's it's hard to see what positivity you can really break from the current ownership situation. I think it's really holding the club back and I think you can tell the reflection of the players, in my opinion anyway. I think you're spot on, and I w- we're going
0: to get to that as well. And and I think uh, I think you know just just dealing with the Monza game alone. I mean, we have got to talk about the referee because I want to get into that point because I think that is the broader point, and I think everyone kind of agrees with that. But we have to talk about the refereeing as well. And and I don't. I want to make this absolutely clear. I am not blaming in any shape, size, or form Inter's stinky performance on the referee. That had nothing to do with the referee. But that is one of the biggest mistakes we've seen in the VAR era. Um, it's not it's 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 like Luca Marelli said on the zone. He, I think he said it brilliantly. He said it's the same dynam, dynamism as the Milan Spezia issue that we saw here. He blows his whistle even before the ball is is there. And there's no need to do that, you know? Um, and also then you see then, of course, I mean, a part of me was like, well, at least couldn't have Galliardini have just elbowed the guy? But no, they the two monster players running to one another, which just makes it it just adds its insult to injury. Uh, which is so frustrating, but yeah, no, I, I mean, that is, a, that is a dreadful, that is a dreadful refereeing error, and we, we you know, there's not much to say other than that, and in the VAR it should, should not happen, because you've got the VAR to double-check that, so the referees have to be cooler, and I don't understand what he was doing, I think Saki generally had a horrible day overall, not just that, but for both teams I think he was dreadful he was so inconsistent and in and he really created more problems than needed to be it was really it was a really cranky atmosphere on the pitch because of his of how he uh, ran you know controlled the, or didn't control the game I should say but let's let's talk about that then let's talk about the the um the uh, the elephant in the room um and and no, I'm not talking about Romelu Lukaku trying to turn with the ball at his feet. I'm talking about <laughs> the uh, <laughs> which it looked like, to be honest. Have you ever seen a BBC nature show? Like th- that's how it that's how slow, like an elephant turning around. That's how it looked when when Lukaku tried to turn yesterday. We need the Attenborough commentary on that. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. No, I'm talking about um, I'm talking about this ownership, and and the, and I'm not just talking about the ownership. I'm looking from everything from top to bottom. The ownership can't invest. They, the last two two summer transfer windows, they've set a target of profit from from the transfer window, which is that has to be met regardless of anything else, and which is fair enough because you know, I, again, I think Suning have done a fantastic job modernising Inter from where they you know look at where they were and where they where they where they where they were the club right now, but they're they're now they can't invest they have to balance the books that means that because of italian football not raising enough revenue the bulk of that revenue has to come from the summer transfer market which means you sell your best players and you buy players that are cheaper which usually translates into less quality players you know of, of players of a lower quality so that, that that's just you know that's just generally how it works um but then you also look at Marotta and Auxilio, and look, again, I think Ausilio and, and Marotta done a fantastic job, but Inter's three last marquee signings have been Joaquin Correa, Robin Gorsens, and Romelu Lukaku. Not a single one has even done decently. They've all been flops, so far, that is. And that is also something to, to take into consideration. Um, and of course, we've got Simon Inzaghi, he's a young manager, young managers are going to make mistakes, but I mean it, it's just to me it's just I, I honestly think that the Sooning interproject is dead as the dodo to make to continue the animal analogy it's as dead as the, do, as the dodo is and it's extinct and it's going to continue unless two of, two, one of two things happen sooning sell or sooning can start to invest i don't think the latter is going to happen so it remains will there be anything left when sooning end up selling the club Is there anything worth salvaging, or do we have do the new owner have to begin everything from scratch? What's your thoughts, Mo?
1: So uh, the case for optimism is very small, uh, but uh, (laughs) also quite clear. Um, China just uh, removed their uh, lockdown zero COVID policies, so the hope would be that uh, this brings back a lot of money into uh, Sweden's coffers as people go out and start shopping and the Chinese commerce picks up again. But that's not going to have an effect in in at least maybe six to eight months, at least if things do uh, continue to improve as the as the economy does rebound unless something catastrophic happens there. But I think fundamentally, I mean, look, I don't want to get into too much economics, but cheap money is over. High interest rates on the dollar means that uh, investment companies can't uh, leverage themselves out to buy stuff. So generally, as money becomes more and more expensive, uh, buying stuff becomes less and less readily readily available or possible. So I would imagine that um, unless you're talking about PIF again, like the rumors of PIF or or, or some big wealthy Gulf,
0: <laughs> this is it. Uh, GCC, this is it. <laughs> uh,
1: fund. There, there's there's no real buyers in the world at the moment, particularly not in the league that does, that generates the amount of money that 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 the Serie a does at the moment. When you can go up and pick up a, a Burnley or a, or a, or a, even I I don't know, insert insert a mid tier uh, Premier League team name. You know just they probably make more revenues more consistent revenues uh uh than than Inter. so your 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 only chance to recoup your money if you're not investing in a premier league side would be for the side to do well in the champions league that's a that's a tough sell whereas the 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 premiership have created this money-making machine you just plug into any investor comes in plugs into you look at newcastle now you know pif go buy newcastle and lo and behold they're you know Making money and uh, everyone's happy. And it's a project that they can ultimately turn into something that, that makes sense for the new ownership. That's certainly not the case for the Serie a or the or the Liga or the Bundesliga or the Ligue 1. It's 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 very particular to the Premier League. And again, that brings us back to the fucking story of, pardon my my language, but the the European Super League.
0: Yeah.
1: Without the European Super League. All these teams die. So, uh, yeah. so this is this is where we're at. Yeah. Unless Suning organically or or someone else, you know, like I said, Arab or Chinese or whatever has the money and and then the 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 caprice to buy uh, the buy a side like Inter, it's just not going to happen. So we just hope that uh, what destroyed Suning's wealth, the Zhang dynasty's uh, wealth over the past two years. Since these conditions have been now lifted, uh, that at least they can then, you know, uh, generate their own revenues to the point where they can start looking at the the the, the interproject, and Stephen can start looking at the interproject with some bit of optimism. That's the hope.
0: That's spot on. That's exactly what it is. So, therefore. It's not a frozen project, as Conte said. It's dead until until further notice. And right now it's damage control. And I think it's uh, the reason why I keep belaboring this point is because I think it's important to be honest with fans. I think it's important to be honest with listeners, with people, with Interfans. That, and, and, and I don't think they are. And I understand that they can't be. It's not like they can come out and say, you know what, we're screwed. <laughs> Good night. Like, that's, that's not something they can say. I get that. But I think it's important that we understand where we are. And I think you just explained it brilliantly, Mo, as to why and how and what could happen. And I think that is exactly how it is. The Oak Tree loan matures in 2024, in the summer of 2024. I think Suning will refinance that from somewhere else at a better, at a more advantageous uh, loan uh, terms. And I think this is where they're going to continue and um, until they no longer can. Um, that, that's that's just my my guess of it. so let's not dwell on that anymore. Um, let's so this is this is our reality. Let's move to the to the Lukaku situation because I don't even know where to begin with this. Um, Ra Raul, I mean, look, it's not even the bad first touch. it's It's the body like he didn't win a single challenge his body language he got in the way of Lautaro he couldn't he didn't get a single shot or tar- getting, didn't even get a shot away didn't create anything couldn't even hold up the ball are we cuz i'm i'm i've been thinking about this now and it's not just these last few months it's 18 months now and i think this is my personal opinion i honestly think that romelu lukaku's is finished at the absolute top level i don't think he will ever become anywhere near the player he was those two years with Antonio Conte. And if we're perfectly honest, those were the only two years where he was world-class. Before that, he scored a lot, but he was never world-class. Under Conte, those two years, he was consistently world-class. I don't think he will ever see him, see him at that level. And the question is, given the injuries, and now today we hear that he's got inflammation in his knee... And, and 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 he's got, he's had an inflammation in his tendons, and we know that he needs at least four or five games to get going. I'm thinking, is, is, is his his career at this level is finished? What what do you think, though?
3: Yeah, and ever since um, you know Patrick Kendrick made that point on the Studio InterPod about his his potentially, you know, he's probably the point of diminishing returns now when it comes to Lukaku and his body because he's been going since Anderlecht, well, since 16 years of age, and he's probably got the most out of his body that he can physically can, and now it's just going to be getting worse and worse when it comes to, and I mean, he completely relies, as much as, you know, you want to make fun of it, but he does completely rely on his athleticism and his physique for, you know, most of his uh, ability relies on that, so it really is um, all hinging on that, and then if he can't even add that, I mean, well, that's the one thing that we you know, when we brought him in, if we ignore the Chelsea, we would say, okay, this guy at least is reliable physically, he hardly ever gets injured. Um, And, you know, in Serie A, his physique and athleticism still would make a big difference and dominate, but you're not getting the reliability, you're not getting the minutes, you're not getting the physical dominance. So what are your, yeah, what are you actually getting? Um, Because apart from that, yes, he's got as you said, he's got a good eye for goal. That's what he used to do back in, before at Everton, West Brom. Um, but yeah, there's not really a selling point after that to Lukaku without his physical attributes. So yeah, you you probably uh, you probably have a point. And I would investigate or like see if it's possible to cut this loan deal early with Chelsea. I don't know if it's possible or not. Um, you know, the whole package cost us what 20 million. How much of that have we paid? Is it possible to cut this short and maybe try to reinvest
0: some of that money somewhere else like Marcus Tarama, I don't know. That's, that's a good point. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think Chelsea will do it. And I think it would it would take something really tra- dramatic for that to happen. But yeah, if if it was possible, I, I think they should do that. Um, I want to go to you, Jake. Uh, you were already alluding to, to the Lukaku issue. But, um, I mean, <laughs> what are we seeing here? What's your take on the situation?
2: I think it's quite a tough one to watch, especially when you consider the player that he was in the two years that he was here last. And I think that year or so at Chelsea, prior to this season, has not done him any favours. I think Lukaku is a bit more of a sensitive soul than perhaps, you know, it, it, it's broadcasted at times. I think going into that Chelsea move, the, his sole motivation, in my opinion, I might be totally wrong, was to prove people wrong and prove that, right, I've had two years in Italy, i played absolutely fantastically. I've won the league. I've been playing the best player in that, this league. I'm in the shape of my life. I'm going to go to the Premier League and I'm going to absolutely smash it. All these haters will be, who will be, be criticising me when I've played in England or shut up finally. And he's gone into a Chelsea team totally out of this type of system that he's used to, that he had under Conte. And he's flopped. And I think it's way down on him. He's had a really tough World Cup as well where he's gone and he's, you know, looked a bit silly again with that missing the crucial game for Belgium and you know, and obviously like we've mentioned a couple of times, just the injuries are starting to take a you, you do forget, you know, look at Wayne Rooney. I mean he looks like a pork pie now. You know, he's what, thirty seven <laughs> you know, he looks he looks like he looks dreadful, doesn't he?
0: He really looks old. He like does. he has he not dreadful. aged well. Like <laughs> he's younger than me and he looks like
2: twice my age.
0: <laughs> he like it mean- really he really is. He's not aged gracefully.
2: And, but he was playing for when he was 16 years old, wasn't he? And, you know, Lukaku's the same. You forget Lukaku's had a playing career, you know, that's that's gone on for, you know, over a decade already, and he's not quite 30 yet. So, and these injuries, inflammation injuries in particular, are injuries that, you know, they're niggling problems. And, you know, if he's getting them now, if he's going to get to sort of 32, 33, you, know, you do wonder, and I, I think mentally he's not in a great place. And physically, he's really... Strong. I'm sad that it's sort of ended up this way. I, I am a footballing romantic. I am somebody who really likes to have this sort of almost feel-good story a lot of the time. So, it's quite sad for me to see it. I think I'm with Rahul as well. I think if it was up to me, I'd probably look in this window, trying to end that loan as, as harsh as it is.
0: Mm. What about you, Mo? What, you're, you're <laughs> Mr. Positivity. I, I double-dare you to find something positive about this situation. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, look, I mean, there's there's very little positive about the current situation with Lukaku. Um, I, I, I still believe that you know I've I've always my, my complaint and gripe with Lukaku has always been he's a very temperamental player, kind of like a Pogba. You know, they're they're not they're not strong-minded players like a Cristiano Ronaldo, as much as a mockery that he's made of himself in the last year or so. But he he is very strong-willed and a very strong mind, and he's always willing or had always been willing to. Not only sacrifice himself for the team, but also make sure that he sacrifices his lifestyle for his body and the longevity of his career. I mean, you, you certainly can't compare the uh, the physical demands that Cristiano has made of his body at age of 38 versus, you know, albeit you know since 16, but it's still a, a, a decade and a, couple, a decade in change of, uh, of uh, playing football at the highest level. So. If Lukaku, I would imagine, being the physical specimen that he is, had invested the, the 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 time, the the mentality, the discipline in ensuring that his body, you know, maintains its health uh, and is able to fulfill the demands he needs for his style of play, I would imagine that he would. But he's a temperamental player, just like Jake said, just like Rahul said as well. He's a very temperamental player. Attitude is almost everything. He needs to feel loved, he needs to feel embraced, and he's going through a slump. It was a slump at Chelsea, and then it was a a bit of a flop at Inter, despite being embraced by the fans, but still, or I mean, the Kurva were were a bit lukewarm, but the general public embraced him back, but he was physically unfit, and then he had a shitty World Cup. But he's in a bad mental state, and surely that's that that weighs like uh, like Jake, Jake had just said. Weighs down on his on the way he approaches his his fitness and, and 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 his setup. He's not the kind of I I don't know. I mean I don't I don't know Lukaku personally, but he doesn't seem to me to be the kind of player who's able to compartmentalize this or that and just focus on the task at hand and getting better and doing doing well. I I, I would argue that Lautaro is is probably much stronger minded despite him being, uh, you know, uh, uh, or the, the best Lautaro is a much patchier player than the best Lukaku, but I would still say that Lautaro is probably stronger willed and, and and more able to focus at the task in hand, you know, despite having an awful World Cup, he did score that last ultimate penalty that was of such critical importance for Argentina to win the World Cup. I, I, in a million years, I don't see Lukaku ever scoring that particular penalty. Having played the way he had played up to that point in the World Cup, he probably would have flubbed it and missed it. So I think Lukaku, Lukaku's issue stems from two things: physical preparation and mental preparation. Physical preparation, Fintus did wonders with him. I don't know if he can ever do the same with any other manager. And mentally, I mean, he's not a young—he's not a young boy anymore. The, the man's going to decide for himself what he wants to do. Get a mental coach, get some. Uh, some proper recovery training, some uh, hyperbaric chamber sort of work. I don't know. I mean, you know, just uh, uh, the the world is full of you know so many examples of men in particular pushing their bodies past you know 35, even 40 at the highest level in 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 fighting, in in rock climbing, in, in this and that. And it's no longer a secret. You know, you need to invest in your body and, and treat it well. So I don't know if, if he's doing that or if he's willing to do that or if he has done that and it's still not working out for him but to me it's uh, it's, it's physical and mental preparation on Lukaku's part
3: The the Napoli game though to me like if there, if we need to force a positive note out of this I I felt like I saw some positives there like he got in Agreed. behind the Napoli Agreed. defense so many times and Agreed. Kim and Rahmani did not have an easy time with him in the first half and he could have given an assist um, for
0: Di Marco uh, and and that's another thing. I mean, I actually think he's really underrated in terms of his his crossing with his left foot. I think his crosses, and I think it's not just this time around. I remember the first rat turn when he was at in- under Conte. He 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 was very good when he used to drift out to the right hand side and and cross the balls in from from in- from the from the right hand side with his left foot they used to go like to the far post and they used to cause a lot of trouble for defenders. Uh, I, I actually think that's, that's something that I'd like to see him do more often. But the thing is that given how Inter don't communicate about you know, I mean, we've the thing is, the problem is when you when you don't tell people the truth, and I'm not going to say that they've lied, but when you don't tell people the truth and you say, oh, he's going to be back for next week, and then, then that week, no, i will need another week. That's what they've done with the Brozovic injury. That's what they've done with the Lukaku injury. And then Lukaku himself, got to say, he's not exactly the most media-trained guy in the world, comes out and says that, oh, this is one of the worst injuries in my career, that essentially says, yeah, the club has been, you know, running, <laughs> trying to, you know, muddy the waters on his injury. Well, then you see, you know you you kind of you get these at least for me anyway I'm st- I start to second guess everything they say, um and I and I have trouble believing anything that comes out of it I mean is this injury just an inflammation in the knee is it more serious than that um is it was it just an inflammation was it just a tender you know inflammation in this tendon uh you know muscle I mean what is true and what isn't true um and the they, uh, this is something that they've just done in the past one or two years they never used to you know injuries was always very clear uh, you know he's injured for three weeks he's injured for two weeks he could be back do, do you know what I mean this this notion of pretending oh he'll be back in seven days and then five days after that oh he'll be back in another seven days and and that, that's just so strange um I, I really really find it really strange um and and the uh, the club's communication in this I mean it's clearly a strategy that they've chosen. Uh, I get, you know, again, I understand you don't want to give more information to your opponents than you need to, but this isn't exactly Texas Holden poker bluffing that we're doing here, uh, because at the end of the day, he's, he's played, what, 355 minutes so far this season, you know, it's, it's, it's it's just not good enough, and then, and then he pulls off that performance, which is, in my opinion, probably, I mean, and I, and I'm counting Batistuta, when Moratti brought him in, I'm counting Rocky, Livaya, that Belfodil, that is the worst performance. The worst 30 or so minutes I've seen an Interstriker do in the last decade and a half. It was absolutely unwatchable.
3: Yao did Korea. I didn't
0: know that Correa's <laughs> performance against Napoli. I was like, that's the worst. That was bad in and of itself. And then he comes along and does that. No, it's, it was genuinely, genuinely. And it's really, really worrying because I don't see... I, I hope I'm wrong and I don't want to be negative, but I don't see how... With Chelsea interested, how Inter managed to get Marcus run. I really don't, because they'll just double anything that Inter give, and they'll get him, you know. So it's um, it's it's um, yeah, no, it's it, it's it's not a good situation uh, for sure, but um let's um let's let's move, you know move on from this i mean at the end of the day it was it was a draw i I've, I've, i still don't think that a team that loses five games out of 17 can win the serie a, but top four is definitely achievable and they are only three points behind second and third place milan and, and, and juve so you know I, I i i still think this is this is turning out to be i mean with seven points clear. Napoli, this is now becoming their Scudetto to lose, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's it's really becoming like that. But having said that, we have to move on. And, and Inter's focus is that it has to be the Supercoppa, and it has to be the Champions League finish top four and try to get to the quarterfinals of the Champions League, which I think is a, is an incredible accomplishment if they manage to do that. Um, so, you know, but on that note, do we think the Scudetto race is over? I think it is. What about you, Mo? I'll start with you, Mo, and then I'll go to Rahul and Jake. Do you think it's uh, well- a yeah.
1: mute uh, muting issues? Sorry, uh, yeah, no, I don't think it's over at all. No, no, I mean, we we know Spaletti teams, you know. Uh, I I, I I would I just my only worry is that either Milan or UV, UV minutes, you know, like I, I I would I would gladly finish fourth instead of second. Any day, as long as it doesn't really, this makes zero difference to me second, third, fourth, doesn't matter as long as you finish in the top four, unless it's the first, as long as neither Milan nor Juve win. You know, Napoli can, can, can but I'm just, I, I'm always a bit uh, weary of uh, Spalletti teams come uh, January and February. So uh, let's see, let's see, but I don't, I don't think it's over seven points. is very, very achievable. I think uh, the game against Napoli really, uh, I mean, in, in a way, maybe it's good to have the Monza game come after the Napoli game just so that everyone realizes that, you know, it's not, there's still a lot of work to be done. And I hope, as long as, you know, they're, they're learning, Inzaghi and, and the squad are learning from this, but I certainly don't think the the Scudetta race is over. It's just seven points, man. Seven points is nothing. Nothing. Well, more well, than well,
0: it's, half ten, it's, it's ten points, isn't it? No. No, it's the other right. It's seven points. No, hang on.
1: I'm, yeah, I'm being,
0: yeah. No, you're making me confused now. It's it's um it's seven points to Milan and and and, and Napoli.
1: Ah, so ten, ten points to us. Okay. Yeah, ten yeah, points, ten points yeah, to yeah, us. yeah, yeah, Okay. Yeah. Still nothing, really, nothing, 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 <laughs> nothing. Nothing with more than half a season left. No. More that, than that's half that's a season to play.
0: That's true. We're not even at the halfway point. I mean, that's a really good point. Yeah, that's
1: yeah. We got two games to, to halfway. You know, there's a. Uh, and Juve uh,
0: and Juve are playing. How now? many
1: times? How many times were Inter ahead? At, uh, at the at Chris- at Christmas, or at, at the halfway point, Campione dell'inverno, with six points ahead, seven points, eight points ahead, and we end up, you know, barely skipping by us at the fourth base. It's, mm. it's just uh, as long as there's consistent progress from the side, which I had thought we had seen against Napoli, but then, of course, the Monza game came. Mm. But uh, if, 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 if Inzaghi really is going to do something, now's the time.
0: What about you, Raúl? Do you still do you still believe in a in a, in a in a scudetto, or are you a little bit with me that nah?
3: No, no. <clears throat> As you said, a team that's already lost five five times, we've already conceded twenty four goals. Like that's that's not scudetto, scudetto winning. So unless they, yeah, prove me wrong in the second half of the season, I just don't see it. I don't see it, man. I've given up on the. To me, it's top four, and yeah, try to make a run in the Champions League, if possible, and, yeah, Coppa Italia, Supercoppa, if we can. That's uh, still a good season to me, if we can do that. Yeah, I agree, agreed.
0: What about you, Jake? Where are you on this?
2: What can I just say? If I ever become diagnosed with some serious life-threatening illness or something. I'd like Mo to tell me because <laughs> I'd be able to look at it in the nicest way possible. So, uh, I think for me, it's absolutely dead in the water. I think, you know, you, you talk about a points gap as well. You, you're expecting Napoli to lose at least three more, four more games and in, into over the rest of this season when they've only lost one in have lost 5. It's as simple as that. Top four beat Porto, see where things end up in the Champions League and Hopefully, win the Super Cup as well. I I, I take that. I think.
0: Mm, Fair enough. Well, speaking of Coppa Italia and and all that all that jazz, uh, Inter start uh, their defence of the Coppa Italia against Parma on Wednesday um, in uh, Parma in Serie B. And and if we're perfectly honest, you you know I I, uh, just good just to go through how how the draw looks. Um, So Inter play Parma and. The winner of that plays the winner of Atalanta Spezia. And in Inter's, down Inter's half of the draw as well, you've got Lazio Bologna, who, and the winner of that plays the winner of Juventus Monza. So essentially the quarterfinal looks like it's going to, I think it will be Inter-Atalanta and Lazio Juve. Uh, and then uh, it's Inter-Atalanta winner versus Juve, Lazio winner. Um, I, I have a feel. I think Juve are going to win the Coppa Italia. Um, because on the other half you got Napoli, Cremonese, Roma, Genoa. They they meet in the quarterfinal. Napoli, Roma probably, and then Fiorentina, Sampdoria, Milan, Torino. I'm thinking Napoli, Juve, final uh, of Coppa Italia, and I think Juve win that. But um, yeah, no, we'll see. What do you th- what do you think, Mo? What do you reckon we can? How far do you think we can go in this tournament? Or do you even care? Because I've seen some a lot of, a lot of people. You say know that. me. Yeah. You know me.
1: I I hope we get knocked out against Parma That's that's how much I hate that stupid uh, competition.
0: I like that we won it last season. Now I don't care because I think it's more important. The Champions League and the Super and the City are yeah. more important. Like genuinely, yeah. Inter already won it. Who less, cares?
1: You, you're just talking about you know uh, 36-year-old players with their tongues uh, hanging out of their mouths as they're running. You know, like the less the less games we have to play, the better off everyone is this season. And and. That's it. we get some silverware from the Supercoppa and uh, the the Coppa Italia can go off to greener pastures for, for the season. As long as we believe in, as long as you could, you guys still believe in uh, in a strong Champions League run and uh, and the Scudetto.
0: Well, I'm 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 kind of with that as well, but I don't think Inter are going to lose to uh, to to Parma. I think they'll actually go. I think they'll beat Parma, um, but. But yeah, so I, I, there's really not much to talk about this game. Really, it's not not that too much, not much to say. Uh, but there is a lot to say about Hellas Verona, who tonight we're recording this on a Monday evening beat Cremonese, uh, and uh, are they need points? Um, they they um, they're, they're on nine points, uh, six points up to Spezia uh, above the relegation battle. Um, and they come to the San Siro where Inter actually have one of the best home records in the Serie A. Inter are, have played eight games, won seven, lost one, scored 20 goals, conceded four. Now, that's that's the form that a team that wins the Serie A does, but the Inter's away form is played nine, won four, drawn one, lost four, 17 goals scored, 20 conceded. But luckily, Inter are not playing Hellas Verona away. Um, and uh, they, they're not playing uh, Hellas Verona away. They're playing. Um, they're playing in Las Verona at home um, because that, that's the only thing that could have made this situation more worse is is playing at the Bentegodi in January when Inter are in having some sort of a identity crisis, uh, as they do every year. Um, but th- look, I mean Hellas. Raul, surely they, I mean, what are we talking about here, right? I mean, that's got to be three points. No? What are you expecting?
3: Yeah, no, <clears throat> surely, surely you can't mess that one up. Um, even though, yeah, they've got a win today, um, but they're just absolutely messed. mess. They're one of those teams that really shot themselves in the foot in the summer transfer window. They just got rid of the decent players they had and didn't really replace them. And yeah their coach left so surely we should be able to beat these guys quite comfortably whatever team we put out even if uh, Lukaku is still injured or if Barella or Hakan is still injured we, sh- we should be able to get the three points against Hellas Verona at home um, and I hope we continue this home record at least we can rely on one side of our form, <laughs> we definitely can't rely <laughs> on, on our away form at the moment. But I hope we continue. And yeah, our, our fan base just continues turning up and sixty thousand plus every every home game. So they definitely deserve to see um, good performances at home, at least.
0: Oh, Inter fans have the way that Inter fans have flocked and turned up to the stadium despite. Well, a rather disappointing season so far is, is really commendable. Um, I, I, I do want to, you know, they they do have Milan Djuric, they have uh, Thomas Henry. They're, these are big players, big physical players. So I expect someone like Acerbi to start that game um, because of the sheer height and physical presence. Um, that he has, but, and I and I, and I think Josh Stoig, uh, the left wing back, is is a, is, a decent, is a decent player, and the Swedish central defender Issa and has been pretty good as well, and Ivan Illich is a player I like, um, but other than that, I mean, with all due respect, this is an, inter- I think he should, inter should win this 2-3-0, so I'm going to say 2-0, uh, I'm going to say jeko will score, um, and I think DiMarco will score. Well, what's your prediction, Raul, and then I'm going to go to Jake, and then I'm going to go to
1: Mo
3: yeah i'll I'll go along with uh, with something like that oh actually I might go yeah, I'm gonna go three now I think um, no. once we open them up I think uh, we'll start they'll start flooding in or um, yeah uh, I'll go with the uh, Lautaro, and mm. I'll go with the uh, screenier off uh, off a corner and announcing his renewal uh, double whammy goal from Skrino. Ooh.
0: <laughs> I like I'm that. I'm one of the positive ones on that. Yeah. Line. Positive. I like that. I like that. I, I hope you're right. Jake, what about you?
2: Really I was sat there just thinking Myself for goal scorers, and I was going to pick the exact same as what you went for, actually. I was going to say 2 0. Uh, I think Jekyll scored. I think DeMarco will score against his old club. He'll assist Jekyll's goal as well.
0: Mo, what about you? What do you think?
2: Having
1: exactly what uh, Rahul is having, so uh, put me <laughs> in for uh, three goals. Altaro our renewal, and we'll add a Demarco goal uh, for good measure.
0: Right, let's uh, let's uh, go. Let's uh, time for it's time for the part of the show where we pay tribute, rip, piss out of, and criticize someone or something heavily in the world of football. Starting with the positivity this week's Moratti, which we presented by Mr. Positivity, Mr. Mohammed Nasser.
3: He works a lot,
0: he's intelligent, and he surprises people sometimes with his ideas. Not easy to find one person of this. <laughs> this.
1: So, yeah, I mean, uh, again, working overtime in this episode all, all, uh, <laughs> all hour long. But uh, my Moratti of the Week has got to be the man who I kind of slated earlier in the season. I, I believe I gave him Moratti in the first half of the season as well, Federico Di Marco. Uh, I, yeah, that assist um, against Napoli. I believe it was you, Jake, who said he's got a wand for a left foot, uh, a magic wand for a left foot. I uh, it, it was picture perfect. That that cross was sensational. Uh, of course, the uh, Deco's header was uh, was fantastic as well. But I mean, yeah, that assist for me was uh, was a beautiful and B very important because we won our first head to head against the big team and. Yeah, so I gave it to Nímarco, uh, and uh, hopefully, like we said, he continues his good form against Elas uh, over the weekend. Uh, I I
0: I I, uh, I think yeah. Um, for me, that goal, uh, Mkhitaryan in that game, and I I got to say he's been really decent Mkhitaryan this season. I think, but then he. That's why I had the the sombrero in the ninety-third minute against Monza in the middle of the pitch losing possession is, is even more infuriating because he's he's an experienced player and I don't understand what he was doing there. Just I know I know Raul's gonna make fun of me and say call me Brexit Nima, but yeah, just just put it up and like just whack the ball up the pitch. No, I completely 90- agree. <laughs> you can't be doing a sombrero there. <laughs> They're like, why? Like, the Kick 93rd. it out. Kick it out. Put it up in row Z. Yeah, let's, let's go go full-on Tony Adams, Paul Merson and Joe Cole and I don't know who else on this. Um, right, let's move on to something much more uh, positive uh, or something much more comical, I should say, this week's Frog, which will be presented by Mr. Jake Small.
1: So
2: most weeks when we head to this part of the pod, I have I, I caught with some rather ridiculous... Uh, stories as part of this season, and I always try my best to try and make a bit of a link to Inter um, whilst I'm doing them. And this week's frog <clears throat> relates to Lucas Podolski. Um, over the last week, he's been involved in a rather bizarre incident in a charity five-a-side match. I don't know if you've already seen this thing, but I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> laugh in, in the video. So he was playing in a five-a-side match raising charity in Germany and he was sent off by the referee in a charity five-a-side game indoors. How? Pulling his team, uh, pulling the opposition member back. Uh, He was absolutely livid at this and sort of started to argue with the referee because it was a tiny five-a-side pitch, a bit like the old Masters, you know, in England that they used to do, a little bit that sort of situation. So being sent off meant he literally had to stand over the advertising board and just stand alongside the pitch. He was that angry. Every time the referee would walk past, he was trying to squirt him with water out of a water bottle. It, it really made me laugh. Are and you then, making this up? <laughs> no, I'm serious. And then towards the end of the game, he was just absolutely berating the referee. Big argument at the end of the game between him and the ref. At so a charity we, event? So this has totally killed this idea of this being a charity football game. it's <laughs> was team his lost. own charity event? <laughs> what was it? This was... is <laughs> no, a, char- a German event that takes place each year. And uh, he's (laughs) he's he's been sent off (laughs) in a charity game, absolutely exploded in anger, and his team ended up losing. So you know he's raised two million for charity, taking part in raising that two million. But is it is it worth it? You know, I think the squirt in the water. How do you get? Yeah, I mean this is this this is (laughs) so bizarre. How the hell do
0: you get sent off at a at a charity game and then you sit there and squirt water at, I'm, <laughs> I'm just I just Google this as it was his own charity tournament. Oh wow. wow. <laughs> that is amazing. That is absolutely amazing. That is. Um Jesus Christ. You, oh, I don't know what to say after that. Um <laughs> Right. Uh, let's move on to something much more negative. This week's uh, Moji, which we presented by Mr. Rahul Shan.
3: Yeah. Well, <clears throat> we had a lot of choices uh, this week, yes, as, we as often is the case with the with Inter. Um, Shout out, first of all, to uh, the guy that Nima claims I'm the Lord General Commander of his fan base, uh, Tuku Perea. Yeah, whatever your slander <laughs> name you to give him.
0: Tuku Diarrhea is my favourite one, personally. No, Pupu Porea, which, what's his name, calls him. is really funny. It's not just, <laughs> yeah,
3: that's really funny. Um, um Yeah, his cameo, as we mentioned earlier, against Napoli, I think definitely deserved the shout out, but he didn't win it. Um, And then Lukaku came along, or Lakaka, our (laughs) favourite. And along came Lakaka. And along came Lakaka with his uh, donkey touch or Timberlands touch or whatever you want to call it. Um, But the winner uh, is Juan Lukasaki. I mean, his name itself deserves a (laughs) emoji of the beak. I mean, his dad clearly got confused. He clearly wants to call him Gianluca, but he got Maybe Juan spend the, Luca. He <laughs> spent the summer in I don't know, Argentina or Mexico and felt like, no, let's go with Juan Luca instead of Gianluca.
0: <laughs> go um, my son Juan Luca.
3: <laughs> definitely didn't get bullied at school. <laughs>
0: Absolutely not. He's uh, oh, been
3: easy. suspended for a month after his, uh, uh, his awful refereeing performance for Inter Monza. Um, but, yeah, use the vibe, mate. Like, that's the whole point of VAR, so use it.
0: I mean, if 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 Galliardini had done something, I could have lived with it, right? But the fact that he blows his whistle and those two, the, the two Monza defenders trip over one another, that that's like, uh, yeah, it's just nothing. Yeah, it's just like for goodness. It was sex. like
3: the, the one the Juve uh, Cremonese where, where he just blew, uh, yeah, that's scored, and he just blew the whistle before he scored. It was like, yeah, why?
0: Leicester, yeah, weird. Right, that's all we had time for this week. I'd like to thank you, Mo, for coming on, as always. A pleasure.
1: Always a pleasure, guys. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, Hopefully on to bigger and better things and um, dreams of at least a to the season.
0: Inshallah. Um, And Mr. Jake Smalley.
2: Yeah, thank you for having me as always. Good to be back and uh, Happy New Year as well to everybody.
0: Yes, I'm Mr. Rahul Sharma. So, how long?
2: So, what
0: what's what's happening on your channel? You got anything else that you want to promote, or something that's coming up? Then, then feel free to do that.
3: No, no, just the usual uh, match reactions and previews and things like that, and. Um... Yeah no, thank you for having me on as always, but my lawyers are working hard day and <laughs> night to get rid of this uh
0: sexual tag <laughs> you've given me. <laughs> I'll be looking forward to their to their letter. Um, I'm sure I'm really looking forward to, to hearing from them. <laughs> right, let's. Uh, that's all we have time for this week. Uh, take care of yourselves, each other. Um, my name's Nima Avale Rutsari. Wishing you a good week. Uh, quarterfinal in the Coppa Italia three points and sempre e solo Forza Inter.